0: All right, we are about to begin a semester of 412, and uh, it is the foundational truths that we all need to know so that we're ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us. And so um, sometimes people say, Well, I've been a Christian all my life, I don't need a foundations class, but it's not the elementary principles or the elementary things of, of the Word of God, but it's the foundational truths that we need to be ready to give an answer for. And so um, I've taught this class for, uh, I guess, probably 18, 20 years now um, on a regular basis in SBI. I've also taught it individually to people because that's the ultimate goal as we go through here is that not only do you get this information for yourselves, but that you take it and it's a tool for you to use to, to teach other believers as well so that they have the foundational truth so that they're ready to give an answer for the hope that's within them. But um, it's a great class, got some great information, and we'll look at that and kind of get an overview of the class and everything before we get started this morning or this afternoon, this evening, whatever it is, whatever time it is. <laughs> But um, so we got a lot to do um, with with that, and then also going through the first lesson. And so um, most of the time the classes are a little bit smaller, and so we kind of go around the room and introduce ourselves to each other. But since we have so many in here this time, uh, you know, we may just need to play change it up as we go through and uh, sit by different people as we go through the semester and kind of get to know people. But uh, I am Brian James, and I'm the executive pastor here at Stillwater Bible Church, and uh, haven't been. We're almost to our 10-year anniversary um, that is coming up in September, and so um, I've, like I said, I've taught this class many times. Uh, I've been married to my wife Rachel for almost 20 years, and we have a daughter Lauren who is 8 years old who memorized 288 verses. Uh, last semester or last school year um, in kids club and so we're going to talk about memorizing verses in this class as well this evening so don't tell me you can't do it if uh, she can do 288 we can do the 30 that's in the book for this class uh, this semester But um, let's think about the purposes. There's three purposes basically for taking this class, and we're not getting to Lesson 1 yet. I'm just kind of giving you some information. But um, one purpose is to gain an understanding of biblical truths. We want to understand biblical truths, the truths that are foundational, that are found in the Bible. We want to grow in fellowship with one another, um, get to know the people that are around you and some different people that you probably don't see On Sunday mornings and so we want to have fellowship with one another and we'll um, throughout here take some prayer requests and pray for one another as we go through and then be able to teach these truths and principles from God's Word to others and again that is the emphasis of why we're here we're not here to leave this place smarter sinners we're here to get this information, to turn around and teach it to other people as well. And that's kind of what we're going to see in these first two lessons. What is our purpose and our goal for why God has left us here on this earth? And it is to do two things. is to evangelize the unbelievers and to teach the believers. Many people think, you know, no, it's the it's your job as a pastor to teach me But I'm not, I don't have the responsibility to teach others. But we'll see in our passage that we're going to look at this morning that ultimately you do have the responsibility. God has given you the ministry of reconciliation that we're going to see next week. He's given us a ministry and He's given us a purpose to make disciples. And so we'll talk about all of that. And so not only do we evangelize the unbelievers, but we are to teach the believers as well, and this is a great class and some great information that you can teach to other people. Um, JB's been talking about on Sunday mornings about, um, you know, getting SBI to, to be like it used to be, like we want it to be. And um, with that, you know, we have different levels and different requirements and everything. And so if you want to have credit for, for the class, um, the class is 14 weeks long, and uh, we have pretty low standards that all you do, all you need to do is to attend 9 out of 14 weeks and then we will have a quiz each week and I'll give you exactly what's going to be on the quiz so it's not a, not a pop quiz and, and crazy things, but uh, it'll be a quiz and you'll need to pass 9 out of the 14 quizzes in order to pass the class to get credit for the class. But we do give quizzes, like I said, every week. But I give you what's on there. We're not testing you to pass or fail people, but we're testing for approval. And that's what you see throughout Scripture. You know, um, what, what happened to Abraham? God tested him for approval. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, 22, verse 1, you know, whenever he says, you go offer up your son Isaac. He's testing him to see, testing him for approval. God knows what the ultimate end is going to be, and he knows that he's going to he's going to be faithful, but God puts him through the test to prove his faithfulness. 2nd Chronicles 32:31. Again, God left him alone only to test him that he may know what is in his heart. And so, the truth is, you can come in here every week. You don't have to take the quizzes if you don't want to. We don't Require it um, for you to be in here. So if you're like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm scared of tests, or I, I don't want to, I don't want to take a chance of failing. You don't have to take them. But again, the information that's going to be on the quizzes are things that we're going to need to be able to take to other people. If someone were to say, how can I know for sure that I have eternal life? Well, you know, you, you can, well, I mean, you know, and fumble around about it, or you can give them some of the answers that we're going to have on the quiz that gives you what God's Word says, how you can know that you have eternal life, and things like that. So it's not a pass fail. It's, and I'm a grace grader, I, I grade everything in grace, and so um, I'll help you out as much as I can. But, but I encourage you to take the quizzes, and, and I encourage you to memorize the scriptures. Yes. Um, Like I said, there's going to be verses to memorize at the end of each chapter, and that will always be on the quiz the following week. Um, But I also encourage you to maintain those those memory verses, because it does, it, it changes your life whenever you hide God's word in your heart. It changes your life when people ask you questions like, how can I know for sure I have eternal life? And you can say, well, because John 3.16 says this, because 1 John 5.13 says this, because John 10.28 John says, says this, then that's how you can know for sure that you have eternal life. And rather than saying, well, you know, I heard a pastor once say, or, well, you know, my thought on that is this, that, or the other, having Scripture to back that up is amazing, and it changes the way that people look at you. I've got a great example of that and this is a girl that um, took this class several years ago and her name was uh, Keely Cusio. Her uh, sister also took this class under me and her dad actually teaches the 412 at First Baptist Church in Owasso um, is where he attends church and he teaches 412 um, to a group of people every semester and gets books from us and everything. But he takes about 10 to 12 people through it every semester, and he, he knows the importance of it. But this was an email I received from her after our final week um, of 412 several years ago. She said, Hi, Brian. I had to meet my circuits group to work on our project after Bible study tonight. I apologized to them for being late and told them where I was. We ended up talking about church and then I asked one of the boys what he thought it took for someone to go to heaven. He said to accept Christ and then be good, otherwise you go to hell. Thankfully, I knew 1 John 5:11 through 13 and was able to use several of the other verses we memorized in class to explain how someone can have eternal life and have assurance. It's amazing how God works. It seems that everything my group members said there was a verse I could use to explain what the Bible says on that specific issue, and then she says, "Mug or no mug, I'm glad I have those verses to use." Thank you for taking the time each week, uh, each Wednesday night, to teach us and encourage us. At that point in time, whenever you set all the, and this is just the foundations class. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I didn't know no, I was no. going to take it. So I... <laughs> Why? not? You're totally fine. Thank you. Two seats back there. Football, thank you. Okay. Um, but back then, because what we do encourage you to do is to memorize the scriptures, keep them over the entire 14 weeks, and then we come in on week 14 and I say, is there anybody that wants to say all the 30 verses at one time? And um, we take the time for Every person, hopefully, every person in here, to to say all thirty of those verses at one time. Um But um, And that's what she had done on that night. It was the last night she went out of that class and then God gave her an opportunity to use those things that she memorized and to use those Scriptures to answer the questions that He had. And that's the ultimate purpose of this, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us. You'll hear me say that week after week, time after time, because it is so important that we do that. So come to class, pay attention, ask questions. Um, you know, like they say, there's no no dumb questions um, to be asked. Take notes. I'm going to give you a lot of verse references. Um, as we go through there, I encourage you to write those down because if you do turn around and teach this to someone else later on, it's great to have those verse references to go back to. Um, so I encourage you to write those down. If I go too fast, say, hey, what was... What was that verse? Because sometimes I get excited and I just kind of move on. I taught JB how to talk so fast. So, uh, (laughs) you know. But uh, anyway, that's our goals. Anybody got any comments, questions before we get started? All right, if you want to turn to page five, I think it is in your book, and we'll just kind of look at an overview of what we're going to do as we go through this semester. The first two weeks, we're just going to look at our goals and our purposes, our goals and our purposes. Why, why are we here and why does God have us here in this class? Why does God have us here on this earth? Then we're going to talk about the gospel message. What is the gospel message? What is not the gospel message? So many times whenever we go through this, people think that they know what the gospel is. They know the response. They know the offer. But as we go through there, they realize that um, they don't don't have all the answers that they thought that they did have. And so we'll look at that. And then we're going to see how to present the gospel. And we, we give you four different methods that you can use in order to present the gospel to, to other people. And one of those that we'll look at um, is simply John 3.16, just using the one verse method and just going to that verse to share the gospel with people. Another one that I really like is, um, we're gonna learn to write out our testimony our salvation testimony, and we'll talk more about that whenever we get there, but how can you talk to someone um, and tell them how they can have eternal life using your story of how you come to believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And it's it's a powerful method, and it's great to use for friends and family members that Sometimes we're like, you know, I'm just scared. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to pull out the Bible and show them all these verses. But we can use our story. And um, our friends and family members are always willing to listen to our stories that that we have. And we'll talk about doing that. Then we're going to see the security of salvation. We're going to see that all believers are secure in Christ, but not all believers have the assurance of their salvation. What's the difference between those two things? And how do we know for sure that we are secure in Christ? And then we're going to talk about discipleship, and we're going to talk about, you know, what does it mean to be a disciple? And then, you know, and we're going to look at characteristics of disciples and what are disciples to do. And then we're going to see how to study the Bible on our own. And so we'll look at a a passage of Scripture and break it down to a verse of Scripture and see how do we study the Bible on our own. And then we'll finish with a lesson on prayer and quiet time. So a lot of information, a lot of good stuff um, as we go through here. And like I said, I love this class and I'm excited to teach it. And I hope you guys are as excited as I am. So let's begin by going to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get into lesson number one. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for this time together, and we thank you um, for this semester, and we look forward to what you're going to do in each and every one of our lives as we go through this semester. And uh, how You're going to change our lives to be more like our Savior Jesus Christ and how um, You're going to use us uh, not only here but as we scatter out into this community to, to be lights for You. And uh, God, we just thank You most of all for Your Son Jesus Christ and uh, He willingly left the glories of Heaven, died on the cross paying for sin, arose from the grave to conquer death so that whoever would simply believe in Him would have eternal life. We just ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, well if you want to, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. First question in your book is, why are these groups called 412? And it's based off of Ephesians chapter 412 as it gives us our purpose of what, what it is that we are to do as believers in Christ. And so, looking back to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11 and going through verse 12, it says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And so, in, in verse 11, we see spiritual gifts. The things that you see in there are, are just a few of the spiritual gifts that we have or that people have and those spiritual gifts are given for a purpose and we see the three aspects of what that purpose is in verse 12 and the three key things that we see there is a we are to equip the saints we are to equip the saints we are to equip the believers And we're going to equip them to do three things. Know, apply, and teach. And that's what we're going to break it down here in just a minute to look at. So we're going to equip the saints to be, do the ministry. To do the ministry. And we're going to talk about what that ministry is. And then C, to build up the body. To build up the body we're going to see that we want to build up the body both spiritually and numerically so we want to use our gifts to touch lives for Christ in these three areas so let's look at the details of this so first off we're going to equip the saints so we want to equip the believers and we're going to equip the believers to do three things and, the, and we call it, we always do it this way, it makes it easier to remember, but cat. And so there's three aspects under equipping the believers that we're going to look at. And the first one is to know the Word of God. And so we want to know what the Word of God says. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, "...be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, as a workman need not be ashamed," accurately handling the word of truth. In the new, in the King James Version it says study to show yourself approved. And so we need to study. We need to dig. We need to know the word of God. And um, God's word tells us that that's what we're, we're to do. Second Timothy 2.15 Study to show yourselves. And it says to show yourselves approved to God. You know, a lot of times we can fake it in this world that we know the Bible, that we go to church, that we look Christian, but are we approved to God? If God were to come today and say, you know, how how well do you know my Word? Would we be excited? Man, I know this, 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 and this. Or would we be ashamed and say... You know, really, I don't know that much about it. I don't, I don't spend time in Your Word. I don't, I don't read Your Word. Well, we need to study so that we can show ourselves approved to God, accurately <coughs> handling the Word of Truth. And we'll talk more about that as we get later into the study. So first of all, we, we've got to know the Word of God. But then, we want to do what? Apply it. Apply it. We want to apply it. And so, a great verse for that is uh, Philippians 4.9. The things which you have learned and received, heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And so we are to practice the things that we've learned and received, heard and seen in me. We're to practice those things, to put it into application. You know, many people say, what's the purpose of Bible study? And they all say, so that we can know the Word better. But the ultimate goal of Bible study is not just so that we can know it, but so that our lives are changed by it. And the more that we study and the more time we spend in God's Word, the more we will be changed by it. And so we want to take those things and we want to apply them to our lives. We want there to be action in our lives. We want there to be change in our lives. And we'll talk more about that here in just a little bit as well. And so we want to apply it. And I like what that verse says. The things which you have learned and received, you've heard, so my mouth has said these things to you. But what do we have to do? We have to practice what we preach. So not just what you've heard in me, but what you've seen in me. And so sometimes, you know, we say, Well, I'm discipling this person, and and you know, I'm giving him the Bible, but Are you showing him in life what it looks like to live out a Christ-like life? You know, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Are we living our lives in a way that we would want others to imitate our lives? Do our lives look like Christ? Because that's ultimately our goal, is that we'll be conformed to the image of Christ. And so, we have to know, we have to apply, and then ultimately teach so we equip the believers to know the Word of God, to apply it to their lives, and then turn around and teach it to others. 2 Timothy 2.2 The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so we want to take the things that we've been taught, we want to teach them to other people so that they can in turn teach them to other people as well. It's called the Ministry of Multiplication. We want to just take this. What if I teach all of you that are here today and then each of you go out and you get a group of one, two, three people. You take it, teach them then everyone in your group goes out and teaches it to two or three more people. Then just think about how the Word of God can spread. And that's ultimately the goal and what we're, what we're here for and what we want to do. So we're not here to leave us smarter sinners. We're here to know the Word of God so that we, our lives can be changed by it so that we can ultimately turn around and teach it to other people. Comments, questions? Questions? What was the verse you used for the first one? No, um, 2 Timothy 2.15 okay. Another good verse to write out there is 1 Peter 3.15 which is what I've been saying all the way through here so that you're ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you. If you want to know God's Word if you know God's Word then you're ready to give that answer for the hope that's within you. And then ultimately also Acts 17.11 where the, the Bereans are more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica for they examine the Scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. You know, so many times they they go back or somebody goes back and says, you know, my pastor said this or I heard a pastor on the radio say this and so that's got to be the truth but what we need to do is we need to go back like the Bereans did. We need to examine the scriptures and see if the things that are being taught are being taught in context and that that it is truth that is being taught because people can pull cherry-pick verses out of out of the Bible and make them say whatever it is that they want. So we have to look at context and so we'll talk more about that whenever we get to our lesson on Bible study. And that was 2 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3.15 3.15 in okay. uh-huh. Acts 17.11 alright so we want to know apply and teach God's word that's what equipping the believers we equip the believers to do the ministry what is the ministry that God has given for you all to do for all of us to do? Make disciples. Make disciples. Okay. What does making disciples consist of? Evangelism and training. Evangelism and training. Okay. So those are our, our two things underneath that. What is our ministry and our ministry is to make disciples, to make disciples. That's our ministry. If you look at Matthew 28:18 through 20, Jesus goes to his disciples and he's, he's getting ready to leave. It's not his final statement. But um, it's known as the Great Commission. And Jesus comes up and He says to His disciples that all power has been given to Him in heaven and on earth. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples. And so that's what He's commissioned them to do. That's what we're commissioned to do. I love how Paul states it in... in, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. He says, we proclaim Him. Paul and those who are with him and the church at Colossae, what are they to be doing? We are to proclaim Him. And the hymn there is Jesus Christ. He's been talking about Jesus Christ all the way through chapter 1. Who He is and what He's done. And so he says, we proclaim Him, Christ. That's the evangelism. We proclaim Christ. Admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom. Wisdom comes from the Word of God and it's more than knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge plus application. So teaching every man with all wisdom so that, purpose statement, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. And so we can't just evangelize people and they be complete in Christ. In order for them to be complete in Christ, we have to train them. We have to to train them in word and deed how to live like Christ so that whenever we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be rewarded and not just for these people's lives that we led to Christ and that we trained, but the fountain and the flow that goes on from those people um, is what's coming out of there, and so our purpose is to make disciples, evangelism, and training. So here's a little quiz before we get started: Evangelism. There's three parts to it that we say, but what what is what is evangelism? Just what is evangelism first? Sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel with. Sharing the gospel with unbelievers. Exactly right. Okay, so what is the gospel? We all agree that we're supposed to share the gospel, right? Everybody agree with that? Anybody not agree? Alright, so we all agree we're supposed to share the gospel. So what is the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ. Good news of Jesus Christ, but more specifically, what is it? What are we going to tell somebody Death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, so exactly right. So the gospel message um, is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Okay. So if that's the gospel message, where would you find the gospel message? First, New Jesus. Testament. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. That's correct. It's actually 1 through 8 is the whole the whole encaption of it all. But 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 is where you get the nuts and bolts. And uh, we'll look at this a lot more in depth um, in, in lesson 3. What is the gospel? What's not the gospel? what's the, the response and stuff, but I just wanted to get some initial feed, feedback of where are we. So the gospel message is the death, burial, and resurrection found in First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. And so that's something that we should all know because this is the message that we all know that we're supposed to be sharing with people. We need to know what the message is and we also need to know where it's found so that we can show people or have it memorized, which we'll do as well, so that we're ready to give that answer for the hope that's within us. So we got a message. Then we've got what we say is the response. So once you give them that message, how do you want them to respond? Believe. Receive Christ. Okay. So to believe... Believe what? That Christ died for you. And he rose again. but He's our Savior. Like he okay. Okay. So, he exactly. So, we're believing in Jesus Christ for the offer is eternal life. Um, but that goes with the response as well. And so we're believing in the person of Jesus Christ. We're not just believing that He died because the truth is He died for all people. He's a satisfactory payment not for our sins only but for the sins of the entire world. Hebrews 2.9, He tasted death for every man. And so we're not just believing that He died. We're not just believing that He rose again. We're believing in Him because of what He did. We're believing in Him to give us what he promised and what he promised is eternal life and so that's what the offer is is eternal life and we'll talk more about that whenever we get there as well why do we want to talk about eternal life and believing in Jesus versus believing just the facts of his death and resurrection but this was just a quick touch to get started um, and get you thinking and then also so I can see where everyone is as well so any thoughts, comments, questions on any of that? Okay. Often, I was going to say, I've often heard with that point you just made, like that's the distinction between, like, well, Satan believes in Jesus. Yeah. Right, so what's the difference? And exactly. So that, that talking point, I guess, that, yeah, because, that can come up. Yeah, because who did Jesus die for? He died mm-hmm. for people, not for... Not for angels, not for not for Satan, um, and yeah, Satan knows who Jesus is, or but but yet um, he's not his savior because Jesus Christ didn't come for for him. He came as a human being to die for human beings. Okay, so the first thing we need to do is evangelize, and then the second part is the training. And so we have the responsibility to train people. Jesus told His disciples to be teaching them. Paul told the church at Colossae, what are they to be doing? They're to be proclaiming Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that they may present every man complete in Christ. And so that's what we need to be doing as believers. It's not just for the pastors. It's for every single person. We need to be teaching the believers. Down there in the box it says, As believers, we all have a ministry to tell others about Christ and then help train fellow believers. I love this quote from Earl (coughs) Rodmacher. He says, Shepherds do not produce sheep. Sheep produce sheep. The shepherd feeds and watches over the sheep, but he doesn't produce sheep. You see, I'm... I'm a shepherd. JB's a shepherd who watches over the flock. We feed the flock. We watch over the flock. But it's ultimately you guys that go and spread out with your friends, with your neighbors, with your, with your family members. And it's up to you to produce the sheep. You are the sheep that are going out. We're the shepherds over the sheep. We give you the information and help you so that you're ready to go out there and, and to produce sheep. And so um, I thought that was, a, that was a great quote. So don't leave it up to the shepherd to produce sheep. It's the sheep's job to go and to produce sheep. So you need to go out there into the community, scatter out, evangelize, and train other believers. Why do we want to do that? That takes us to see so that the body of Christ can be built up. And whenever you think about building up the body of Christ or building up a church, what do you think about? What do most people think about? Growth. Growth. What kind of growth? (laughs) Numerical growth, exactly right. There's two ways that a body grows. And um, it's spiritually and numerically. So those are the two things that we're going to look at, the two aspects under the building up of the body of Christ, spiritually and numerically. Since we're still there in Ephesians chapter 4, look on with me as we go through um, 13 through 16, and I'll read it here. It says, back to verse 12, "...for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ." until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by What every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So the goal here, based off of this this passage of Scripture, is spiritual growth. We want spiritual growth... In the body, and so in order for spiritual growth to happen, then believers need to be training other believers. We need to be be looking for someone who is younger than us that in in the faith that we can that we can teach someone that's not as mature as we are because age doesn't matter. Um, you know, there's there's younger people that can teach older people, and there's older people that can teach younger people. Um, that your physical age is irrelevant but your spiritual maturity makes a difference and so we want to be training people growing them up and bringing them to spiritual maturity and that's what Ephesians 4.13 says unity of faith and maturity unity of faith and maturity and how are we going to be unified in what we believe we're all teaching the same things and that's what, one of the reasons that this class and JB's 2 2 class are, we call them core classes in the SBI. It's something that we want every single person to go through, it's something that, in order to teach, at Stillwater Bible, you have to have had the 4.12 and the 2.2 um, if you want to teach adult, adults um, in our church. And so they, they're the foundational truths that we need to know and that we can build off of. And so unity of faith and maturity. Ephesians 4.14, so that we're no longer children. You know, there's a lot of people that are children. They're tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. Well, I heard J.B. say that it's uh, faith alone and Christ alone and you have eternal life. But then I went and I turned the radio on and uh, somebody quoted another scripture and um, said, say, Matthew chapter 7, you'll know them by their fruits. And so, you know, in order to have eternal life, you've got to show it in your lifestyle, even though that's not what that passage is talking anything about um, because it specifically says by the words that they say and so you know them by their fruits and their fruits is their message not their actions because um but so you know we're tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine we don't want to be like that we've got to be grounded in scripture we've got to know the truth that is there um Hebrews 5 12 through 14 you know um, the writer of Hebrews is wanting to teach these people deeper things but he says I can't teach you these deeper things I want to teach you about Melchizedek and, um, and his ministry and, and, but I can't do that because you all need the elementary things uh, of the word of God we've got to go back to the milk rather than giving you the meat that you want and so we don't want to be like children like that we want to grow up and that's what Ephesians 4.15 goes on and says. We grow up in all aspects of Christ. We want to grow up in all aspects of Christ. 1 Peter 2.2, we're going to see it here in just a little bit. Grow like newborn babies, longing for the pure milk of the Word. We'll talk more about that here in just, in just a little bit in this, same, in this same lesson. But the question is, is, who do you want to be like when you grow up? You know you ask children that all the time, who do you want to be like whenever you grow up? Who do you want to be like when you grow up?? Christ. Exactly. That's, that should be our answer because that's the goal. Romans 8:29, we're to be conformed to the image of Christ and that's who we should be striving to be like. But most people, if you ask them, "Who do you want to be like whenever you grow up? Well, I want to be like Mike. I want to be like Michael Jordan. I want to be like Tiger Woods. You know, it's all about golf with me. Um, but, you know, they that's who we always think about. And we're always thinking from a worldly perspective. But how often do we think on a godly perspective? Who do I ultimately want to be like? And if I want to be like Christ, then what do I need to do? I need to spend time in His Word. I need to spend time with people who want to be like Christ. And so it matters how we spend our time and who we spend our time with and what we spend our time reading. And so we want to grow up in all aspects into Christ. So that's spiritual growth, and that's the key that we find in this passage. But what's what's naturally going to happen if we're going out and doing the ministry? We're evangelizing and we're training. What should happen in the church? You should have numerical growth. You know, many churches, they have numerical growth because people move from church to church. But ultimately, how do we want our growth to come? We want our growth to come because we're going out there into the world and reaching out, looking at those people who are around us who have never believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. We give them the message they believe in Christ for eternal life and their life is changed. We invite them to church and make them uh, a part of the body with us. And so you have numerical growth. 94% 94 of people come to church because they are invited. You know, so many people, I'm I'm scared to ask anybody, but 94% of the people come to church just because they're asked. So down in the box it says oftentimes the body grows numerically as people believe in Christ for eternal life and unite with the local church. And that is ultimately what we want. So any comments, questions, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12? Equip the believers to do the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. All right. Well, what are our four basic goals for this group? This is where I'm glad I'm here and you're there because there's a lot of writing here in these next four. A is that the believer will grow as a Christian. That the believer will grow as a Christian. And so that's what we were talking about. We want to know the Word of God so that we can grow. And so the believer will grow as a Christian. B is the believer will have fellowship with believers. The believer will have fellowship with believers. And again, originally this study was written not to teach to a big group of of people like we're doing uh, this semester, but it's made for you and me and anyone to take and sit down with one person, two people, three people, and so that we can do life together and also study the Word of God together. And so we want to fellowship with believers. C is that the believer will be accountable to fellow believers. The believer will be accountable to fellow believers. And then D is the believer will be trained to disciple others in the body. That the believer will be trained to disciple others in the body. So let's look at these four goals in more detail. A is growth. We want, we want us to grow. We've talked about it in Ephesians 4 uh, 13 through 16 there. But what is God's plan for the believer based off of Romans 8.29? Does anybody know what that verse says? Romans 8.29. Somebody got it? Wanna read it? For those things foreknown, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of the Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, so the ultimate goal and God's plan for the believer is to become conformed to the image of Christ. To be conformed to the image of Christ, we want to be like Christ. God's plan is the believer will become more like Jesus Christ. 1 Peter two two. I quoted it earlier, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So we are to grow like newborn babies longing for the pure milk of the Word. I don't have a baby anymore. She's grown up. She's eight. But I can remember the days whenever she was a little baby. And she longed for, the, for that pure milk. And uh, whenever that's what she wanted, there wasn't anything else that's going to satisfy her. And that's the way we need to be with God's Word. There's nothing else that's going to satisfy us. I've got to get into this Word. I've got to study it. I've got to dig it. I've got to know it. It's God's love letter to me. It's God's Word that He has left for me to know. And so we've got to get into it. We've got to... We've got to accept nothing else. So our goal is to grow how? In the Word of God. In the Word of God. And so how are we going to do that? We've got to study the Word of God. We've got to memorize the Word of God. We've got to meditate on the Word of God. We've got to have quiet times. And we need to be discipled by people. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It goes right to the heart of the matter. It never comes back void. It always accomplishes God's purpose. And so His Word is alive and active. And so we need to get into His living Word and allow it to transform our lives so that we can be more like Christ. 2 Peter 3.18 Did anybody, Is somebody already there? Yeah. But but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, to him be the glory of now and to the day of eternal. Okay. Yeah. Eternity. So so in Second Peter three eighteen we see that we're to grow in both grace and knowledge. We're to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. What happens if we only grow in grace? We only understand of God's grace, that God is a gracious God. You know, like he says in, at the end of Romans chapter 5, what does he say? If you sin, then what happens? Grace abounds. And if you sin more, then what does grace do? It super abounds. Grace is greater than all my sins. So what if that's all we know about God? Then what does that allow us to do? Or what do, what do some people want to do? Keep sinning. Keep sinning. And you know what? That's the question that's asked in Romans 6.1. What shall we do then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And what does Paul say? May it never be. Absolutely no way, no how, is that what we're supposed to do. Even though God is a gracious God, that's not what we're supposed to do. So if we have um, grace alone, it, it gives us license. And we think that we are just continuing sin and can continue in sin. <laughs> Them youth, they're a little, little rowdy over there. Is that Romans 6-1? Yeah, Romans 6-1. But what if we grow in knowledge only? If we, if we only grow, grow in knowledge. Let's give you a good example. The Pharisees. What do we think about the Pharisees? Good people, bad people. Kind of pride. both? Yeah, prideful and both. Prideful. They're missing out on the love. They just know They just know it. Exactly. They, they, they're so caught up in their knowledge, and um, they, they know the law. They know the law inside and out. And they added to the law, and so they became what very legalistic. And so they grew in the knowledge of God, but they didn't grow in the grace of God, and so it made them very legalistic. So even though many times Pharisees get a bad rap, they were actually very knowledgeable in the Word of God. But we need the knowledge and the grace to come together so that we can be, be balanced in our, in our Christian life, in our growth. you got no, the, the example is the Pharisees is what I'd use. All right, so we want to grow and then B is have fellowship. And the idea of fellowship is communion with one another, it's sharing. The Greek word is koinonia and it has two aspects which we'll look at here. But look at Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Anybody got that? Acts 432. And the congregation of those who believe were of one heart and soul and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to Him was His own, but all things were common property to them. Okay, so number one under, the, under there is growing in friendships and relationships. They were of one heart and one soul. And so they grew together, and, and they loved one another. They had unity of purpose. They had unity of mind. They had unity of faith. And so, that's one thing. And then number two is sharing physically and spiritually. Sharing physically and spiritually. And sharing physically is whenever people have a need, we help to give to that need. Whenever people need spiritual growth, they need spiritual encouragement, then we're here for one another to give them that. And so we want to do that with one another as we go through this semester. And then C is accountability. Accountability. To whom are we accountable? God. To God and to, other. Other. to each other. Exactly. So A, there is God. A, there is God. Look at Romans 14, 10 through 12. Romans 14, 10 through 12. Somebody got that? Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Is that right? Yeah. Keep going. For it is written. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will will give an account of himself to God. Okay. So, notice there, it says, we shall all stand. Each believer one day will stand before our Savior. What is the judgment seat of God? Rewards. Okay. It's a rewarding stand. It's a place where, where all believers are going to stand before um, to be rewarded for the things that we've done in this life. We'll talk more about it here in just a minute whenever we look at one other verse. But notice what it says there. What are we going to do in verse 12? So then each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. So that means that each of us are going to give an account of our own lives. You know, it's not what your husband did. It's not what your wife did. It's not what your mom did, what your dad did, what your brother did, what your grandparents did. He's going to give, we're going to have to stand before Him and give an account of what we did in our lives. Let me ask you this. Whenever we give an account of our lives, what are what are we going to give an account of? Your, <laughs> Your works. Anybody got any other thoughts, comments, questions? I thought let we to give an account of the uh, good things we did for people and stuff. Plus, I don't. Bob, you're we talking about, that we don't do an account of our sins. We didn't, we didn't our sins. Exactly. You nailed it, nailed it on the head. That's what I was looking for. Because that's why so many people think I'm going to stand before God and give an account of myself to God. And so that means that I'm going to have to stand before Him and, and give an account for all the sins that I've done in my life. But we're not going to have to do that. We're going we're gonna to stand before Him for the things that we've done on this earth. 2 Corinthians 5.10 is the next verse there. Therefore, each one of us will give an account of themselves for the things we have done in this life, whether good, and in the, in the NASB it says good or bad, but that word bad, if you have your Bible open, I'd mark that out and I'd put the word worthless there. Because the word that's used there is like for a banana, A banana that's rotten um, is a worthless banana. And so um, that's that's the idea that it has. And so we're not going to give an account of ourselves for the good things that we've done and the sin that we've had in our lives, but we're going to give an account of the things that we've done in our lives. So how did I invest my time? Did I invest it on things that are eternal? Or did I invest my life on things that are temporary? Did I help the little old lady across the street so that Jerry would see me and say, man, that Brian, he's a good guy. And I'm looking over there. Hey, is he seeing me? Yep, he's seeing me. So what have I done? I just, I just, I just, I just received my award, reward. Exactly. I've already received it because why did I do it? So that Jerry would see me and think I was a good guy but I see a little old lady that needs help across the road and I don't care who's around or what's around, but I'm going to go and I'm going to help her because it's something that I need to do. Then that's one of the things that are going to be rewarded. What if I'm teaching this class just so I can show you all how smart I am? Is is there going to be rewards for, for me doing that? No. But what if I'm doing this so that My hope and my prayer is that each and every one of you takes the things that you've been taught from this class and turns around and teaches it to other people. You think there's going to be rewards for that? It's not just going to be the rewards for you guys. It's going to be for the rewards for the people that you take it to as well. And so what's our purpose? What's our motives in doing the things that we're doing? That's what we're going to be judged on whenever we stand before Him. And so, under that Second Corinthians uh, five ten, that first uh, Roman numeral or whatever it is that's under underneath that, is the word recompense. What is it? Recompense. And that word literally means to give back. And so, it's God who gave you the gifts, the talents, and abilities. It's God who gave you the opportunities. Um, that that you were given, but you you acted on those those things and then so what does he do? He rewards you for the things that he has already given to you. He gave you the talents, the gifts, talents, abilities. He gave you the opportunity, but he pays you back for what it is that you did. And then like I said, underneath the next one it says good or bad is what goes underneath there. But again, that word bad is better translated. Worthless. Is that from like the Hebrew text? Yes, uh, Greek Greek text. Greek. Yes. Oh right. Okay. Because the the word literally has the idea of like a spoiled or rotten banana. Is, okay. is the is the original word, and just the translators translated it bad. It's okay. a bad banana, but it's actually a worthless banana because it's still a banana and it's still you can put it in the ground and. Right. But, uh, but it's worthless okay. is, a, is a better translation for that word. Alright, so we're accountable to God and then B is accountable to others. Accountable to others. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. Does anybody know what that says off the top of their head? It's kind of a popular verse. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so we're accountable to each other. We want to sharpen each other. We want to encourage each other. We want to build up each other. We want to push each other. We want to exhort each other. We're to keep each other sharp and growing. And so again, with these verses, with the quizzes, you know, find somebody in here. Find somebody that you know. And uh, say, hey man, I've got my verses and, and it's only Friday night and uh, do you got yours memorized yet no no but i'll get them by wednesday well now it's tuesday do you got them no no but i'll get it before i walk in there on wednesday it's wednesday class is getting ready to start no but i'm i'm studying them right now i'll have this by the time it starts and so we need other people to, to encourage us to push us do you still have... We're at lesson eight. Do you still got the verses memorized from lessons one and two? Yeah, I do. All right, we're going to go. We're going to gonna get to the end and I'm going to challenge you because I'm going to know all of the 30 verses at the end. Are you going to know them? Yeah, I'm going to know them. We're going to get through this thing together. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be pushing each other because what's they ultimately doing, it's making us more like Christ. So, as iron sharpens iron, so each, one, each man sharpens the other. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one of us has received a gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of Christ. And so we are to use our gifts to serve one another. And so, the gifts, talents, and abilities... And we even saw that in that Ephesians passage that you know each person has different gifts, talents, and abilities. And how does the body function? By each and every part doing its job. And so we need to be using our gifts to serve one another. So how can we be accountable to each other in this group? A is be on time. Be on time you're not going to be on time, let us know. Got it. Check. B, let the group know when you'll miss. So if you're going to miss, let us know. I don't know if I want to do that. Never mind. I was going to give you my phone number, but next week you'll get a sheet that has my phone number on it. We're recording this going out all over the internet. I don't want everybody having <laughs> Well, uh, We'll get that next week, but I'll give you my phone number um, next week on a sheet of paper that we'll pass around so that um, we have contact information for each other. And so um, if you don't really know somebody in here, but you want to be, encourage somebody or, or challenge somebody on these verses and these quizzes, then you'll have the information to be able to do that with one another. Um, next week but I'll have my phone number on there if you're not going to make it you can just shoot me a text um, or send me an email um, and my email address is on the website so you can get that from there um, as well or it's brian.james at stillwaterbible.org is that and so if you need um, to email me or anything earlier in the day or earlier in the week if you know you're not going to be here just let me know um, or you can let somebody else in the group know and they can let me know whenever they get here as well C is fulfill any obligations of the group fulfill any obligations of the group And the first thing under there is verses so work on these verses memorize them is so important. Um, As I've stated over and over again, not just to have them, not just to make it through a quiz, but to have them for life and to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you. Number two is praying for one another. And again, a lot of times in the smaller group, um, it's a lot easier to take prayer requests, be praying for one another, but... Let me tell you, I'll pray for each and every one of you um, on a weekly basis, if not more, um, because I take this list, and I write it in my prayer journal, and I pray for each and every one of you, and as I get to know you more, as I hear things that that you're talking about, and uh, maybe even visiting with people about some of the things that we're learning in here, I'll be praying for you about those things as well, and I'll pray for you by name uh, each and every week. So. Um, know that I'll be doing it. You guys can do it for each other as well. Number three is be prepared for the lessons. Be prepared for the lessons. That means to be prepared for the quiz coming in and bring your book, be here, and be ready for the next week. And then the next thing is discussion. As we go through some of these uh next few lessons all the way through the rest of the class there's going to be times whenever I'm going to ask questions and we're going to talk about them and discuss them Um, be a part of that because the information that we have the questions that we have um, it may be something that somebody else has as well And, and so we get those questions answered But it may not be uh, just you that has that question. It may be somebody that you're getting ready to turn around and teach that has that question. And you're like, man, I had that same question I wish I would have asked. And so don't leave yourself like that. Be a part of the discussion. Ask questions. And then finally, D is care about one another. Care about one another. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. So, care about one another. So again, our third goal is to be accountable to one another. As we end this first lesson, we have seen three of the four goals of our 412 group. So in summary, in this time, my suggestion is to write the key word here. The believer will grow as a Christian. So we want to grow as we go through this semester. Number two is the believer will have... Fellowship, So that we'll have fellowship with one another. We'll get to know each other uh, in here better as we go throughout this semester. And then number three is the believer will be accountable, accountable to fellow believers. Whenever we redo this, we're going to make that where all the rest of it's there and all you have to do is hit the key word in that. Big old long thing because you just wrote it out and then you got to write it out again. That's a, a lot to write out. So, but in the next lesson, we'll deal with being trained to make disciples. Being trained to make disciples.